Hello and welcome to May I Have This Dance, a podcast from the Human Awareness Institute or Hi Among Friends. We're here because we love having real, rich, juicy conversations with people. We strip down with the people we interview, figuratively and only sometimes literally, to the undercurrent of what it means to be human through the lens of love, intimacy, and sexuality. As an organization, Hi is a place to explore and embrace our humanness. Obviously, a podcast can't replace our workshops, but we do hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Shall I get started with the interview? Let's do it. For our fifth episode, Haya and I interview Alicia Davon. Alicia and her husband, Erwan, support singles and couples in creating what they call an eternal date which is a romantic relationship that reaches higher and higher peaks of intimacy, sexual attraction, and spiritual union. I really enjoyed getting to know Alicia a little bit deeper. It was especially fun getting to do back-to-back episodes, first with Erwan and then with Alicia. We got a good sense of how their romantic and business lives have unfolded. I completely agree. I really enjoyed hearing Alicia's take on their differences and how that has ultimately made them a stronger team. If you haven't already listened to Erwan's episode, it's the one right before this one, episode four. We highly recommend listening to them in tandem. All right, Haya, may I have this dance? You may. Let's jump in. Alicia, will you... Give us your name and your preferred pronouns, please. Sure. So I'm Alicia Davon, and I use she and her. Wonderful. And where are you coming from? What, what do you call home? I am. I live in San Francisco. I've lived here for, God, since the early 2000s, and before that, lived in Berkeley. And originally, I'm from a town called Palos Verdes in LA, and my parents still live there. So I sometimes think of that as home and also think of San Francisco as my home and also kind of feel at home in Berkeley. But I live in San Francisco right now. It's funny how you uh, describe that. Um, I'm a bit of a pan-European mutt. And at some point I went from feeling, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And I think I had this beautiful moment where I realized, wait a minute, that's not true at all. I belong everywhere. (laughs) And that was such an amazing shift. And it caused me a lot of really deep happiness to realize that, you know, I don't need a specific location to feel at home. Um, And I sense from your answer that you're you're not entirely dissimilar there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's great because I I actually have never thought about it that way. And I think that there is some of that. I don't know that I would feel at home everywhere, but I've been in these places for so long and I feel at home here that, you know, who knows if I were to find another spot, maybe I would feel that way too. I'm kind of like a um, homebody kind of person. So (laughs) I don't, I didn't know that about you, Alicia. That's interesting. What does that mean to you? Oh yeah. I'm like, um, I like being at home. I like traveling, you know, but I don't love traveling. I'm always kind of anxious to get home and uh, puttering around the house is like one of my favorite, favorite things to do. You know, Um, if there's like a party that I'm really excited to go to, I'll be excited to go out. But usually if it, I'd just probably rather stay home. (laughs) 
It's like a hidden, I'm a hidden introvert. You are a bit of a hidden introvert because you, you come across, I think, on first impression as very sparkly and bubbly and outgoing. And, um, but it sounds like you really value your alone time or your, or is it like you just feel more safe at home in your container, the space there? What is it socially introverted or is it more about your, the space, the place you're in? Kind of like the space, I think. Cause I, I, I really enjoy people. I'm pretty social, you know, once in a while, I really don't want to see anybody, but it's not usual, you know, it's more like my space and I'm kind of, um, I don't know, you could call it type A. I like to be organized. I like things in their place. So like any chance I get to like do that (laughs) around the house, it's really relaxing. (laughs) Alicia, describe like one or two core aspects of who you are. Like what makes you Alicia? What would you say? Um, It's so funny. The two things that I just thought of like right off the bat is um, I thought of my son, like being a mom to him is so me. Like feel like I almost could not in a circumstantial level couldn't possibly find another place I feel more just completely me um and then I thought of music like music popped into my head my love for music I don't play I mean I used to play piano but I don't really play an instrument just my appreciation and like obsessive love and enjoyment of certain types of music, lots of different kinds. So those are the two things that popped into my mind. So your enjoyment of music rather than a creation of music or, or it's a, it's more of a, an appreciation for music that really lights you up. Hmm, that's interesting. Yes. My brain just went blank. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I think this is interesting. Um, So in a previous podcast, uh, we spoke to your husband and the two of you are doing some amazing work together on uh, facilitating deep intimacy between people. Can you say a little bit about what that work is and why that is so important to you? Why did you feel drawn to it? Absolutely. So Erwan, my husband and I, we support both singles and couples in creating what we call an eternal date, which is a romantic relationship that reaches higher and higher peaks of intimacy and sexual attraction and spiritual connection over time. So it's really, you know, whether you're already in a relationship or want to create a relationship, how to have one that thrives and just rocks your world and is filled with chemistry and intimacy and like the kind of, um, kind of fantastical type of relationship that everybody I think either secretly or not secretly wants, you know, how to actually create that, that experience. And so we do that through uh, seminars and courses and, and private coaching and all sorts of things. Maybe I'll elaborate on later, but it's really like how to have an amazing relationship. And it's so, I've always been, a romance, sex, intimacy person. Like even from a really young age, I always had, you know, I had a crush on the boy that lived two doors down and like really wanted his attention, even when I was in like fourth or fifth grade and had relationships and was always so involved in them and passionate and like really enjoyed that, um, that love feeling, you know, that, that, that high, that, um, 
connection that you can just have with someone that seems mysterious sometimes, you know, how does this chemistry even get there? How do we feel so high on each other and on life? And yeah, I've always just been so into that. Yeah. So that's, that's, and it's, I feel really lucky that all of the kind of, um, events of my life led me to come together with Erwan and get to create this work with him that he had already started before we met. It was like, ugh, could not be a more perfect place for me to express myself so, in the world. So Alicia, I've got a question for you. Um, wh- what I understand of your work with Erwan, the two of you, and your work with couples is that um, you're, you've got this very strong curriculum around building chemistry. And in the episode with Erwan, he referenced polarity, like uh, creating kind of a, a difference or a pull between lovers so that there's intrigue there. And, um, you know, listening to you speak, there's this uh, like joy, really joy and love that's present between the two of you. And I think that's what you help to cultivate. I'm curious, like the underbelly of how do you get from point A to point B? So if you're working with a couple who, let's just say, is not having sex or is, you know, struggling to have any kind of connection, intimacy, um, and instead they're they're stressed or there's conflict, how does you get from point A to point B in terms of um, allowing that joy to come through and be the predominant experience in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's a few core things that have to happen and in, in what order some of these things kind of happen in a particular order. Some of them don't. So the first thing is getting to the truth of the situation. You know, couples that have become disconnected from each other, there's usually lots of stuff that's unsaid. You know, like either maybe one or both people, they've lost attraction for each other for some reason, or like one or both people has some kind of insecurity or like there's huge stress or there's resentments or there's just withheld communication, you know, or that they really miss the other person and they love the other person and they're scared, but it's been coming out as blame. But like getting to the truth of where each person is at and like letting that out, that's one piece, you know, of getting from point A to point B. Um, another, were you going to say something? No, I'm just fascinated by that. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, if we're, if we are not being honest and open, then how can you have intimacy? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of obvious, but then, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it, it it's not, not yeah. it, all it is, is like, well, this person, you know, the other person's not doing something right. Or I suck because, you know, I've gained 15 pounds with the baby weight or, you know, whatever it is, like people are just caught up in the one reason why it's failing. We're like, there's a bigger picture, you know, there's lots of things unsaid often hidden from our own view. So like giving a space to lay it all out. Um, And then another piece of it, I just said bigger picture is kind of like bigger picture. Like there's a lot of things that are affecting a couple's ability to reconnect sexually. There's psychological issues, which I just talked about. There's um, conditioning, like a main big major piece of conditioning is like, oh, once you've been with someone, they're not as hot anymore. Or once you have a kid, you're not sexual or there's like, whether it's unconscious or conscious, there's conditioning people deal with. And then there's also people's schedules and their lifestyles that leave people completely fried, you know, like 
increased use of technology, long work hours, commutes, you know, caring for children, everything that has to be taken into consideration. So like explore, looking at the big picture at what's causing those things is another piece. And that act that usually helps people because they realize, oh, this is not all my fault <laughs> or like, oh, this is not my partner's fault. This is like an ecosystem, you know, gone wrong and then or gone awry. And then there's skills like literal skill building in terms of learning how to communicate with one another, like how to ask for what you want, how to be friendly and loving to the other person, you know, approving, acknowledging, appreciative. Um, sometimes one or both partners has lost contact with their own sensuality and chemistry and turn on, you know, with a lot of couples, sometimes I'll have one or both of them um, engage in these private sensuality exercises to get in touch with their own body. You know, there's, you know, we teach clitoral stroking technique, extended orgasm, which as far as I'm concerned is like the cornerstone of a great sex life moving forward. Um, doesn't have, if it's two men, you know, could be stimulating the genitals, doesn't have to have a clitoris involved, but you know, skill building is another big piece. So I think those three are kind of three main ones. I mean, there's more, but but that's what comes to mind so far. Would you be willing to like ground this, these wonderful examples of how you move a couple from maybe disconnection into connection? Could you ground that into like examples from your own life? How, how have you discovered that these principles are important and how does this relate to your own relationship with Erwan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have an unusual situation in that, or we've had an unusual situation in that we teach this, you know, like when I first met Erwan, we had a ton of chemistry. We were very attracted to each other. He was and still is a, a sexuality teacher. So he had all these skills and was introducing me to this extended orgasm, clitoral stroking technique, and I was loving it. And so there was this humongous blast and also knowledge and learning already kind of in our relationship around chemistry. So that's just always kind of been there and relatively easy to keep up only because it was almost like our relationship was born into a structure of learning. Um, but there were two kind of two big points I'll share about when we realized, oh my God, like how important it is to grow and develop sexually. One of them was, I don't know how many years into the relationship, but not long into the relationship where we just started bickering, you know, like started thinking the other person was kind of a jerk sometimes or like getting on each other's nerves or like, you know, that thing I really liked about her. I don't like that anymore. Or like, you know, <laughs> I was so nice in the beginning, but then it turns out I'm kind of a submissive, passive aggressive angry person, or I loved Erwan, you know, being on his own time schedule, so independent, but then he's late all the time. What the hell? You know, so it was sort of, we start to get on each other's nerves and we're both such fiery people that, you know, we would like fight or like get so upset with each other and neither one was, you know, not fiery. And then it kind of leads to like, okay, now we need to take space. And then the coming back together 
is always so tricky. It's like we've said things we didn't really want to say or mean to say or have hurt feelings. And then having to learn, we had to learn like communication skills that worked for the two of us. Like we had this knowledge to support other people, but like, how do we apologize? You know, how do we come back together physically? Like luckily, the practices that we teach other people, we're like, okay, I guess we do these practices, you know, we just come back together and one person puts their hand on the other person's heart and abdomen and it actually freaking works, you know, it reconnects you. So that was one like period where we realized, wow, you know, we're just like everybody else, you know, we have foibles and arguments and need to figure out how to come back together in connection. Um, and then the other example, of course, is when we had Aiden, who's now three. I mean, we thought going into having a baby, we're like, oh, we got this. You know, we've been working with couples forever and supported them through having kids and told them what to do. Like, we're going to be fine, you know? That's <laughs> <laughs> two. Right. Oh, my God. I mean, one of our mentors was like, you're about to get hit by a train. Like everybody gets hit by a train. When they have a kid, you're going to have a tra- you're going to hit by a train. I'm like, nah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Aiden was a wonderful baby, but he's a baby, you know, sleepless nights, like not knowing what the heck we're doing. Um, just all the stress, feeling like overwhelmed, tired, grouchy shift in the dynamic from two to three and like not having as much attention for each other. And, you know, we found ourselves going days, you know, without much kind of physical or sensual contact. And luckily we talked about it as it was happening because we could see it happening, but I really could feel um, what I feel a lot of moms describe. Like I just, I don't know. I don't want to be touched or I'm tired or I can't give anything else right now. Um, I also encountered this interesting experience where I almost felt like a conflict between identities as like a sexual being and a lover and a wife, a conflict between that and being maternal, like being a mom, like I had all this conditioning. I didn't realize like moms aren't sexual or I'm taking something away from my baby by giving myself to someone else or, you know, just all these interesting messages that I didn't even realize I had that was creating resistance and even wanting to be intimate, you know? Um, So like the big saving grace was that we watched it as it was happening, you know, like, didn't go into the unconscious and become the new normal because we basically couldn't do that and be sex teachers. (laughs) Um, But those are two examples of how um, the practices and what we teach has made a huge difference in our life. Like I really see the need for it in relationships. Yeah. I also feel that in order for that to even be possible, right, for you guys to catch that in real time and choose to have the conversation, even when, you know, when, when you're running around sleep deprived, feeling a little bit like shit, the last thing you want is to put something else on your partner. So I feel like you guys approach that from a place of really deep intimacy and, and a trust. And was that something, so I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but was that something that was already present in your relationship or was that something you had to work on uh, in real time as well? 
it's it's both. So the you know, the deep intimacy and the trust and the conversation and the communication and all of that has always been in our relationship. And it's not like it's been easy, you know. I mean, I have habits of withholding and being scared and not wanting to offend anybody and like waiting too long to say something and then exploding. You know, I have all the same issues, you know, that a lot of people have, but because of the container that our work is, even for us, you know, around our relationship, we always manage to get there um, and return. Um, but that said, you know, for example, after our son was born, it, it was work. Like it was, it was like confronting on a whole other level. And we both definitely fell into patterns, you know, whatever, you know, Erwan's patterns are, my patterns of just kind of disappearing and avoiding and not wanting to deal with anything. So like we had to kind of work to push through those things. It wasn't easy. When you say uh, you were working at it, um, I think this is a topic that could be really relatable to those who have chosen to have children or are interested in having children. Um, so I'm curious, you know, was there one thing or two things that you can remember that felt like, okay, this is what's pulling us through? Was it your practices? Was it a, a self-revelation? What kind of brought you through that? It's a good question. Um, I mean, what comes to mind is like awareness. Like there's something about the way that we've created our lives, like specifically being teachers and supports for other people's romantic lives that when something is off, it's like blaring. Like you almost, like, I, like I'm, that's why I'm so grateful for our work for myself, because it's like, you can't, I can't ignore it for very long because it's so obvious and it, it became quickly intolerable not to deal with or talk about. So, um, it's like because of the material that we're designing and the conversations we're having with our students and with each other about the work, it's like, can't ignore that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's like you, you have spent so much time in your life focusing on when things feel off in a relationship that when it's in your own, it, it must be relatively relevant. Um, obvious to you that there's, that you'd want to get back to that place of connection. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Yeah. It's not that it doesn't happen. I mean, we fall off track all the time, you know, and like have arguments, all this stuff, but it's, it doesn't go on for too long because we see it right away. So it sounds to me like then being in, in working partnership really does support your relationship. Are there times where you feel like, gosh, work is kind of overwhelming because it's always about our relationship or gosh, you know, our relationship's kind of overwhelming because it's always about work. Like how do you balance, um, the intimacy in your, in your own marriage and keep that separate from work or do, how does, how do they come together? Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a work in progress and probably will be till the day we die. Like it's so, it's very challenging. So our work relationship, not so much like we love teaching together and designing programs and events and classes and talking about our students and what's going on with them like that we could do all day you know it's so fun the actual working relationship where there's like 
deadlines and stuff to do and who's in charge and, you know, issues and problems and just the day-to-day stuff, you know, it challenges us almost every single day. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's a discipline really. I just wrote a really long Facebook post about this because it's like, it, it takes discipline to be gracious with each other. It's very triggering, you know, for example, you know, Erwan founded the organization, you know, almost 30 years ago. And then I came on board after that. And there's a lot that he's needed to kind of show me and teach me. And we have to have some kind of hierarchy so things get done. But it's so triggering because we're romantic partners. Like he doesn't want to tell me what to do. I don't want to be told what to do, you know. So we we like are always coming up against that trigger point and we really know the best way to be with each other. And most of the time we can practice that, you know, just graciousness and receptivity and, and like just letting the dynamic be what it is. But um, I think ultimately it supports our intimacy because we see parts of each other that I don't think we would see if we didn't work together. And some of those parts aren't so great sometimes, but we know each other inside and out and we know what the other person really appreciates and like what helps the other person. And so it can be very empowering um, though it is work to, uh, to navigate it. Um, And then the other thing is that we, we have our daily kind of sensual connection practices that we practice and we make sure to take time for ourselves to just go out and have fun and we call it pleasure time. And it's not like work talk is off limits because it's so interwoven into our life, but we kind of both know like, Hey, let's table this until we're not like out for sushi, you know, we're out at a party or something like that. So work in progress, you know? So I'm wondering, it, it seems like the two of you are, incredibly well aligned in terms of your big picture stuff and in terms of the business stuff and stuff. Um, I'm wondering if that was something that you guys kind of fell into because you happened to be well aligned already or whether you made a conscious choice to actually have some sort of a, almost like a mission and mission statement for your relationship and where you wanted to take your lives. Yeah, that's a great, you're asking great questions. Um, our, our relationship is so funny because we, we, we're like, I mean, on one level, I think the deepest level completely meant to come together. I mean, we feel like soulmates and we've always felt that way and had that connection. And at the same time, our life experience like did not set us up to come together. I mean, I guess you could say it did because here we are together, but like I grew up in a very kind of stable suburban situation with two parents and, you know, plenty of money and everything I needed and whatever, very safe and um, good upbringing, you know, Um, have a brother. And Erwan grew up in New York City and had like, I don't know how much he got into his past, but like a very difficult upbringing and relationship with his parents and just like the opposite childhood that I had, basically. So I think my goals kind of coming into life um, as an adult unconsciously had a lot of kind of comfort, security, um, just have a family and find a house and, you know, do that, you know. Um, And then Erwan didn't really have that. He was 
open to having a family, but it wasn't like an intense goal of his, like it was mine. He's very much alternative and unusual and I'm kind of mainstream. And so we, we've had a lot of that to sort out over the years. Um, and I think we complement each other a lot. You know, his ways make things exciting and new and different and edgy in certain ways. And my ways keep things stable, <laughs> you know, and, and good and, and, you know, loving and I don't, it's, 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 I don't know, it's hard to put into words completely, but we're so different, but it just comes together in a really good way, but not without a bunch of edges along the way. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, it strikes me that um, when I was an undergrad, we were studying psychology and we were looking at kind of social norms or social terms and then looking at how that compared against research. And one of the things that we learned in social psychology was that, you know, there's the the two opposite tropes of um, similarity attracts and like birds of a feather stick together, right? And then there's um, opposites attract and we have both ideas in our culture. And um, actually, in terms of research, systematically, people who have enough similarity are the ones that really do have long-term relationships, but that that... um, that oppositeness can create the fire. And so if you have enough similarity, uh, it creates stability and it creates long-term liking of one another, really. Um, Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you guys have this beautiful blend of like enough overlaps that you're able to make a life work. um, But then there's also enough difference that probably there's still that intrigue in that chemistry. Is that right? Definitely. And and it's interesting because we actually come from similar backgrounds in terms of, um, ancestry, you know, we're both Jewish and our parents grew up in similar, well, his dad grew up in France, but then moved to New York. They're kind of East coast Jews. And there's, there's, so there's sort of this familial feeling, um, in our families, even though, um, then there was such a radical difference in, in experience and upbringing from there. So I think that that, is like a very base foundational feeling that that brings that similarity you're talking about. And then there's the radical differences, but then there are, there's just, I don't know whether it's cosmic or desires in life or just chemistry or whatever it is, there is plenty of overlap um, with us in the difference. So it seems like the two of you are really on a journey to to both help yourselves, but really importantly, help other people find their own intimacy and connection and that sort of stuff. And it feels like you've worked with a lot of different people in, in, in quite a lot of different ways. And um, the thing that, that I'm curious about is what has surprised you the most about the way you have been able to impact uh, their lives? You know, the thing that I don't know if it surprises me, it, it definitely kind of wows me. Like, how much people want to connect. I mean, this is probably similar with high, like how starved people are for it. Or in, in even if, if they're not starved, like how interested, like fundamentally interested people are in really awesome, intimate connection and like really yummy sex and physical connection. And it's like this simple, God-given, life-given 
capacities that we have as human beings. It doesn't cost money. You know, it's like in us already that is the most gratifying. And I know that in my head, but just seeing that proven over and over and over again, like the happiness and the looks on people's faces and the way they feel, you know, after having cultivated this and had it, it's like, it's very enlivening. And I don't know if it surprises me or takes me aback or what, but it definitely impacts me. That's great. That's, that's, that is, sounds like such a wonderful way to, to engage with, with both the people you're working with, but also with your own, your own driver for doing this in the first place. Mm. Yeah. It's like, as we're talking about it, it, it's, I'm thinking, God, like it's so easy, you know, I mean, my job is so easy because everybody wants it (laughs) and I want it too. And so it's, you know, it definitely takes sometimes, you know, we forget and and all of that, but it's, yeah, I really like it. That feels like a really good place for us to, uh, for us to close this down. Um, so there's a couple of questions that I really like to end a podcast on. Um, and one of them is, um, is there any questions that you wish I had asked that we, that we haven't gotten around to yet? Um. <laughs> How can we learn more about what you do and, and about you guys? So Erwan and I, so we were based in San Francisco, but we work virtually with people so people could work with us, you know, from anywhere really. Um, And the best way to learn more is to contact us. What I do, like for anybody listening to this podcast, I'm offering a free love life coaching session. So it can be done on the phone or in person or on Zoom and just some one-on-one time for me to get to know you and for you to ask any questions you have about your own love life or sex life. And then I can kind of lay out how our programs work. And that's the most fun way, you know, because it's intimate and personal. And then the other way would be to check us out online. We have a website, obviously, erwandavonteachings.com. You can also search Teachings on Facebook or Instagram. So we have one last question for you, which is, what is the one song that you can't not dance to? (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. One song. Okay. There's like so many, but the one that popped into my mind was when I was listening to this morning when I was on the rowing machine, um, which is Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> yes. Love it. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Great choice. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Alicia. It's just been such a pleasure to hear about your life and to get to know you deeper. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and for your awesome listening and questions and stuff. Totally happy to do it. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, visit our website at hi.org. That's H-A-I.org. Thank you so much for listening to May I Have This Dance. It was a pleasure to have you with us. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.